We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Bolt fam? As fans of Justin Herbert, you know we have a quarterback with a cannon for an arm. Unfortunately, for some other AFC West teams like the Broncos and the Raiders, their quarterbacks have little chicken wings for arms. Chargers fans, they don't have to worry about those chicken wings. The only chicken wings we associate with are the ones from Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports, the official sports bar of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Head there to watch the next Chargers game and use the promo code GUILTY to get 10% off your meal. Go get some bomb food and watch Asante Samuel Jr. pick off another pass. Again, that's guilty for 10% off. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Joining me today for a special interview is Mr. Daniel Popper of The Athletic. Daniel, thanks for taking the time to join me. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I am uh, happy to have you. Before we get started on uh, all the football talk, I got to ask you, man, how was that burrito yesterday that you experienced in uh, downtown L.A.? It was phenomenal. Yeah, it was a, a surf and turf burrito from Sonoritas, right outside Staples Center. And it definitely improved my day, which was a little bit stressful because <laughs> I was buying a car and I needed to go get something delicious to improve my mood. And that burrito certainly achieved that. I will uh, definitely be putting that place on my list next time I'm down in L.A. So uh, that's a good one. So when we when I uh, message you about this interview, I obviously had not planned to be leading this interview with kickers. Um, but of course, that is kind of the hot topic around, you know, Southern California and the Chargers. What did you make of the decision to bring in Dustin Hopkins specifically? And do you think he's a legitimate upgrade long term for this team? Yeah, so as soon as I saw Dustin Hopkins got released by Washington um, last week, it was something that definitely popped up on my radar just because he's the kind of guy that they would sign if they were going to make a change at kicker, just somebody with experience. Obviously, was the, the Washington kicker since 2015, kicked playoff games, um, made a lot of kicks in this league, an above-average kicker you know, in his tenure with Washington, uh, particularly in four, kicks 45 yards and longer. So he was a guy that I had my eyes on. Um, and they brought him in for a workout yesterday and, and they made the change. Um, ultimately, it comes down to experience. Like they need a guy there that they can rely on. Um, I mean, at the very base level to rely on to make extra points right. in key moments. And, you know, I, I, I felt like in the Browns game, that extra point that Tristan Viscano missed 
wasn't talked about as much because the Chargers came back and won. It was all about the offensive performance, 47 points, Justin Herbert, all the stuff. Um, he missed that kick and he, they almost lost the game because of that. Yeah. Um, and I think it just got to a point where it was untenable. Um, you know, you can't have the guy can be the most talented kicker in the entire world, but if he's not making kicks, he's not going to last long in the NFL. You need a guy that you can rely on um, in those situations. And, and they can't rely on Tristan Viscano right now. Now the plan is to sign him back to the practice squad and, and continue to groom him and grow him. And, and maybe he's the chargers kicker down the line. But for right now, there's a four and two ball club. They're a good football team. They got a chance to make the playoffs. And the last thing you want is to have the talent and performance there on offense and defense and not have a kicker who can make the kicks to win you football games. And that's really what it came down to. And, and they needed a guy in there that they could rely on. And, and Dustin Hopkins provides that in terms of experience in this league. Yeah. And I think that is a huge thing as well. And, and you know, I, I looked back at, you know, he had some really clutch kicks for them last year for the Washington football team down the stretch, specifically against the Steelers to kind of, you know, catapult their win streak and win the division. So I think this is going to be a positive move uh, as well. And obviously the Chargers did bring in Andre Roberts to, uh, you know, shore up the return position. What do you think we can expect from him? I know the the numbers from this particular season with Houston aren't, you know, uh, exactly shining in comparison to his last few seasons. Do you think that he will be able to kind of recapture the magic for the uh, Chargers this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, recapture the magic is it's sort of the level that you're looking for but he, he's a qualified nfl returner you yeah. know like they were throwing guys back there who were not qualified to do the job um you know kj hill was reliable but there were just so many instances where he looked indecisive back there it was letting balls you know drop in front of him he's not a really explosive player so he's not giving you a big punch in terms of part the bigger issue for the chargers was really kick returns um yeah. It never really made sense why they were putting Larry Roundtree back there. The guy runs a four seven zero, and and I know Darius Swinton talked to us about how they liked his physicality, and if he got a, a head of steam, you know there weren't gonna be a lot of guys who wanted to tackle him. That philosophy didn't pan out. I mean, you you, you sort of hone in on on what you're looking for in a kick returner. The first thing you want is speed, right? Like, right. He's one of the he's one of the slowest skill players they have, and they're putting him back there a kick returner. It just didn't come to fruition. And just some numbers that I pulled in that in my bye week story. Um, they were last. This was after. This was through six weeks. They were last in the league in average yards per kick return at sixteen and a half, um, and they were also last in average starting field position off kicks off kickoffs at the twenty point nine yard line. I mean, you get to the twenty five on a touchback. So, like, how bad do you have to be, yeah. to be averaging inside the twenty one yard line? Um, and, and so it was two pronged. They wanted somebody more experienced and explosive on partner return, but I think the real issue was kick return. They needed somebody back there with some experience who could at least give them like league average performance there and, and improve that, that starting point. Um, because you have a great offense, but you're going to hamstring your great offense if they're starting deep inside their own territory. And one thing that Brandon Silly brings up a lot that I, that I hadn't thought about before, a lot of things he brings up, I hadn't thought about before right. he said them, but one thing he thought he brought up is like, that's a huge momentum play, right? Yeah. Like if you are, you know, you're coming off, giving up a touchdown or, or points unless it's the start of the half. Um, and so there's already some momentum going against you. The other team kicks off, you return it. And, and there's a huge hit there where your guys stopped at the 16 yard line. That's a mat. Like that gives your defense juice. The sidelines right. erupting. And, and that was happening over and over again. So your offense is going out there, uh, you know, back, not only backed up, but everyone on the opposing side is completely charged up because of the hit that was laid on your kick returner, because you don't have anybody back there with any juice. So, it, it, it was a good move. Um, and I think with both of these moves on special teams, 
you're seeing uh, a coaching staff that is going to make changes if stuff isn't working. I think that's the biggest like overarching takeaway from these two moves is they're not going to stand pat and just accept mediocrity or even, you know, below average play from anybody. Um, they're going to be aggressive and make moves when there are moves to be made. And, and luckily for the Chargers, two experienced veterans came available. Uh, right. Andre Roberts as a kick returner and Dustin Hobbs as a kicker, and they made the moves. And, I, I, and if you're a Chargers fan, you have to be excited about that um, because special teams have been so bad around here in recent years. And this is evidence that Brandon Staley is saying, listen, like we are not going to be content with having the 31st ranked special teams in the league. Like we're going to make moves to improve our special teams as the season goes on. It's not just limited to, you know, the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you spend any time on football outsiders, right? Like the, the punt team is fine. The kickoff team is fine. It's just those two kickoff return units and field goal slash extra point units were, were not very good. So I think this, this will give them a boost. And like we've been saying all summer long, like just get to, you know, close to average and we'll be happy. Yeah. You know, if Andre Roberts can get to the 25 consistently, we'll be thrilled. Right. And and it's, it's, it's overall too, like just, if they can get to like the 24th or 23rd yeah. ranked special teams, whether it's EPA, whether it's football outsiders, DVOA, however you want to slice it, if they can get into that range, then they're fine. You can win a Super Bowl. You can contend for the playoffs with that kind of special teams. When you're hovering at 31, 32 in EPA and, and, and in DVOA, which is where they're at right now, they're 31st, that's not good. And like you said, I, I totally agree with you. Punt coverage has been fine. Uh, kickoff coverage has been fine. Um, they probably can improve a little bit on kickoff coverage, but they got a, a lot of young players playing there. Right. who are only going to get better. And you see flashes like Chris Rumpf has made some plays. Nick Neiman has made some plays. Those guys are only going to get better as they get more snaps, but you need a kicker you can trust and you need a return guy with some juice. And, and that's really, you know, what they're hoping will, will spur them from bottom of the league to, you know, closer to that 25, 24 range in some of those um, yeah. and some of those rankings. Yeah. Absolutely. Really quickly before we move on from special teams, do you think Roberts will be, be, used much at least initially as a receiver because kj hill wasn't exactly getting you know a ton of snaps or anything like that no i wouldn't expect him to get any snaps on offense okay well there we go um <laughs> one <of> the, <laughs> i mean that's kind of been his career so i, I was just kind of curious yeah. if they had any other plans i mean i know brandon said was asked about it today but um you know you're just i mean your fifth receiver is you know not getting snaps which i think is, is just that's a story for another time um yeah you know, I think the other thing, obviously, that has been, you know, much maligned on Twitter, on all the broadcast shows, you know, is the run defense. Brandon Sadie said on Monday that, you know, the, the front mechanics and the techniques are not, you know, being taught well enough or coached well enough. Is it really that simple? And I know Justin Jones is, is on track to come back this week because this is another area where I feel like if you could get this to, you know, like in the 20s as opposed to worst in the league, that yeah. would obviously help the Chargers' long-term outlook. So uh, how do they fix this issue is, is my question. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, they are by far and away the worst run defense in the league, regardless yeah. of what statistic you're looking at. Um, right. You know, the last in EPA, the last in DVOA. Um, I th I'm pretty sure they've given up the most rushing yards or had given up the most rushing yards in the league. So however, whatever stat you like, <laughs> they're bad. Yeah. Um, so they're, it's kind of layered, right? I think – initially the first thing that jumps out is they've played some really good rushing teams. Um, the Browns, Ravens, Cowboys, all top 10 rushing offenses in DVOA. The Ravens and Browns are both top five rushing offenses. So when you go up against a team with a strength like that and your biggest weakness is your run defense is going to get exposed. So I think going up against some worse run defense, run offenses will be better and, and will help improve it. Ju getting Justin Jones back obviously will help improve it, but it's a talent issue. And, and 
when you, you know, when a coach is putting the emphasis on himself and saying, I need to do better, you know, you can look at that and say, okay, the coach isn't going to go up there and say, I don't have talented enough players. Right. He's not going to say right. that, but I, I can say that because I watched the film and, and I heading into the season, you know, I, I saw it as a weakness. They were one injury away from, from it being an issue. You can go back to my mailbag in, in July and read <sighs> me explicitly yeah. saying that Justin Jones is an injury prone player. Their first three guys are good, but if Justin Jones gets injured, they're in trouble. And that's exactly what's happened. It, right. it wasn't hard to see that this was going to be an issue. Um, so how do they fix it? Justin getting Justin Jones back um, will help um, playing worse run offenses will help, but they just need more out of the players they have. And I think that's sort of what, what Staley is getting at. Like, can, is he getting the absolute most out of the players he has? The answer to that is no right now. And so can he simplify things? Can he define things in a different way to get more out of players? And let's name names, right? Like Jerry Tillery has not been good against the run. He's has not he been good. Not. Like I, I, I agree. I think Staley's analysis today was spot on. Like he's given you some juice as a pass rusher, which he's always going to do. He's a pretty decent pass rusher. I think he's ranks, you know, 72nd or something in pass rush pro productivity on PFF among all defensive players uh, with qualified snaps, pass rushing snaps. So he's been fine. He's been he's been a factor there um, in, in the run defense, though. He's just not consistent enough. He doesn't play with enough physicality. Um, I, I don't know if it's an effort issue. I don't know if it's a technique issue. I don't know what it is, but there isn't a consistency there from him in terms of eating up blocks, which is what Brandon Staley is asking of his defensive linemen. Um, and so that's a big issue. Can you get more out of Jerry Tillery? Um, asking for more out of Linval Joseph at this point, I don't think makes a lot of sense. I think he's giving you everything he has, yeah. uh, but he's, he's 33 years old and, and he's on the back end of his career. So asking him to be an all pro level player at this point is not realistic. And you sign Christian Covington um, as a rotational guy. So, you know, him playing like 20 to 22 snaps a game, that's ideal. He's going to give you something there as a fourth defensive lineman, but asking him to play 40 plus snaps a game, that's just not who he is as a player. That's not why they signed him. And so you're seeing the depth issues um, come to light. There's there's reason to believe it will improve because they're getting Justin Jones back, Drew Tranquil's back, and they're not going to be playing the Browns, Ravens, and Cowboys every single week. But the talent is what it is. So expecting a massive jump in the run defense over the remainder of the season, I don't think that's realistic either. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the snap rotation come you know turns out to be once Jones is back because. I mean, Tillery's at 133 snaps against the run, and so is Linvaugh Joseph. And that seems like, you know, kind of the tip top of what you want these players to be. So I'm curious to see how Jones fits in there. And I know Brandon Staley said today that he views Christian Covington as, you know, a, a pseudo starter. But, I mean, Justin Jones, like he said today, was playing really well in the Washington game uh, before he got injured. Yeah, Covington won't start. It, it'll be it'll be the, those three, Tillery – uh, Joseph and Jones, and then Covington will go back into his fourth defensive line and role playing like what I was saying about 20, 25 snaps a game. Um, and, and they'll get more out of him in that, in that situation. But I think asking him to play more, um, you know, and Staley brought it up today. If they hadn't made that signing, they would have been in deep trouble. So <laughs> yes. even if he hasn't played an extremely high level, like he's given him some, them some level of competence in their defensive line. Whereas if they were forced to go to, you know, Joe Gaziano or Braden Fajoko or Forrest Merrill for those kinds of snaps, they would have been in a much worse place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the early down offense as well, because Brandon Staley talked quite a bit about it today. Of course, you asked him about it. Um, I, you know, he mentioned a couple of times that it, it has been some kind of execution issues that he thinks the issues are a little bit more, you know, minor than people are, are potentially making them out to be. Where do you land on that? Because I know a lot of people on Twitter have been frustrated at, you know, like the screen passes on first down or like the screen passes on second down. 
And I guess my question to you is, do you think the first down and second down issues will kind of even out if they kind of keep doing what they're doing? Or is there like a legitimate play calling issue with the offense right now? Yeah, I wouldn't go as far to say that it's like a legitimate play calling issue. I think there are things to tighten up across the board. Um, the, the whole goal is to not be in third and long. And they've been in too right. many third and longs. I mean, that came through in the Ravens game. And you just can't rely on your offense to convert on third down time after time after time. The interesting thing was this was a, a point of emphasis for the organization going into the season. Like they knew that they had to be better on early downs, particularly on first down, because they were relying on Justin Herbert to make these plays on third down. That was really the engine of the offense last year. And they kind of ended up in a similar place. You know, they're, they're through six weeks, they were the top team on third down in the league, third and fourth down the league, I think, or first or second in the league. They were among the best teams in the league in, in that area and 24th in EPA for play on first and second down. So um, I, I think better play calling will, will set them up better. I think a more consistent rushing attack will set them up better. Um, but again, you go back and you look and, and you're like, okay, the right side of that offensive line is a weak point. And how much more are you going to get out of Michael Schofield? How much more can you get out of Storm Norton? If everyone knows you're running left every single time, that's not a really great recipe. Right. So, you know, and then you need better execution from your players. Um, so it's, it's really all around. Like, I don't think you can say, oh, the, the, the early down efficiency is bad because Joe Lombardi hasn't been calling good plays. I don't think that's accurate. I think it falls on everybody. The play calling can be better. The execution can be better. Um, and we'll see what happens here as it moves forward. But it's definitely something that we've talked about a lot. Um, it's something that needs to improve um, because if you're relying on your third down and fourth down offense all season, it's going to come back to bite you. We saw that in the Ravens game. You go up against a good defense that gets really multiple on third downs that can send simulated pressures and do all these different things with their personnel packages. They can really hamstring your offense on third down. So it, it's a point of emphasis. And, we'll, and I'm really sort of fascinated to see what sort of changes they make to improve in that area. Yeah, and I, th I think another fascinating area, which we, we will see this Sunday, is, you know, Bill Belichick and his defense last year really gave the Chargers fits on third down and longs. And so if, you know, this is a big kind of put your money where your mouth is game against Bill Belichick in a very complex and, and disciplined defense, uh, what are your early thoughts about that matchup, specifically Chargers offense versus Patriots defense? Yeah, I mean, the one thing Bill Belichick does, and he's done it his, his whole career, is, is attack your weak points. You know, he takes away your best player, and then he attacks your weak points. And I'm, I would be worried about what Bill, Bill Belichick is going to do to the right side of that offensive line. Last year, it was, it was a, uh, an interesting game plan because they got a ton of pressure and, and just hit Justin Herbert a bunch, but they really didn't blitz. It was right. all four-man pressures and a ton of stunts, and, and Dan Feeney just had a, a really tough time handling a lot of that stuff, and really all of the offensive linemen up there in that game, and that's a big reason why they lost 45 to nothing. And we can get into all the special teams issues and that sort of thing. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm curious to see, you know, what Bill Belichick does in terms of who, who's he going to take away, right? Is he going to try and take away Mike Williams, or is he going to try and take away Keenan Allen? Um, the interesting thing is Mike Williams has been more of a focal point in the offense this year over yeah. Keenan Allen. Um, so is that what Bill Belichick targets in terms of his coverage schemes is taking away Mike Williams? And what does that mean for Keenan Allen? Or does he, you know, go with the history and say, Keenan Allen has been the more productive player and I'm going to take him away. And that might create opportunities for Mike Williams. So I'm interested in that. And then obviously, you know, I, I would imagine it's, it's going to be a similar approach, uh, in terms of the pass rush scheme, a lot of four man rushes, and then trying mm -hmm. to use stunts and games to exploit the right side of that offensive line. Uh, ma matching up Matthew Judon with Storm Norton and, and seeing what happens there in terms of that matchup. Um, you know, the Chargers have been helping Storm Norton a lot on the right side, and that's sort of they've been, they've been game planning right. protections for him. Uh, but 
that's really what I'm fascinated in and what I'll be looking for in terms of that, that matchup and what Bill, Bill Shaq tries to do from a uh, scheming perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope that we get to see Matthew Judon against uh, Rashawn Slater a little bit, you know. Yeah, Slater's I'm sure we'll see some of that, yeah. Yeah, Slater's been awesome to watch. It's been, you know, he's been holding his own down there for sure. Um, on the opposite side of the ball, obviously we, we talked about the run defense already. You can t- talk about that again if you want. Um, what kind of uh, stands out to you about the Patriots offense right now? Yeah, I mean, Bill, again, going back to, to Bill Belichick scheming, he's going to attack your weak points. And so I would fully expect the Patriots to come out and try and run the ball until the Chargers prove they can stop it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the passing attack, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting because the Chargers have gone up a, against a lot of, you know, more mobile quarterbacks, guys that can get outside the pocket, whether it's Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, even Dak, right? Um, Derek Carr is no slouch and moving around the pocket. Taylor Heineke, like they played a lot of guys that can create. Mac Jones is not that quarterback. Um, so what does that mean for the pass rushers? And, and something Brandon Silly brought up today that was really interesting is like they haven't had a lot of true rush situations. Um, yeah. Some of that has been the scheme in terms of trying to contain these guys in the pocket. Some of that has been just the, the rush defense not getting it done in the early downs and setting up a lot of three and third and four and less. And so those aren't really pass rushing situations. Can they get to those situations get against Mac Jones and this offense? Um, the run defense will have to perform, but if they do get in those situations, you don't really have a mobile quarterback back there. So do we see a breakout game from, from this pass rush from Joey Bosa? Do we finally see Chen Nuoso come through? I think that could certainly happen, but it starts with the run defense, right? You need to put yourself in those positions by stopping the run on first and second down and, um, and, and setting up the third and longs that allowed Joey Bosa and Chen Nuoso, Kyler Fackrell, all these guys to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely a good call. I think Chen has been solid. You know, yeah, I see that's you know not been a, a popular take on Twitter right now. Um, yeah, but so, I think so Chen has been solid. Let's get into this for a second because you're you're more plugged in with the fan base. Like, why do people think Chen Nuosu isn't playing well? Is it just they look at the sack numbers and they're like, oh, he doesn't have ten sacks, so he sucks? Like, what's? I think that's part of it. I also think that there are a lot of fans who, if you're not like great, you're terrible. And so, like, someone today was saying that like they should be starting Kyler Fackrell. Like, Kyler Fackrell should be like the guy getting the most reps. And it's like they're like the same player. Like Uchenna's like a little bit better, a little bit more productive, but Kyler is not a significant upgrade either. I think Chenna's been solid. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I think the context is important, right? Like he hasn't gotten many true rushes. No. That, like that's what you have to look at. Like situationally, like you can't just say, okay, this guy doesn't have a lot of sacks or a lot of pressures. He sucks. It's like, well, how many third and longs have they had? How many yeah. situations have they had where opposing teams are facing that situation and these pass rushers can actually pin their ears back and get after the quarterback? Right. It hasn't been that much because they can't stop the run. So it's it's all tied together. Chen Nuos is playing really well. Um, you know, the, the, the production isn't there, so maybe he's not setting himself up for a massive contract, but he's he's doing his job at a high level. He's creating pressure. I think it's more of a situational thing for all these pass rushers. Um, you know, Joey Bosa isn't, you know, having his typical season, right? I think he's outside no. the top 10 in, in pressures and, and pass yeah. productivity. He's usually a, a top five guy in that area. It's all situational. If you can't stop the run, you're not going to get chances to get after the quarterback, and that's going to protect, affect your productivity as a pass rusher. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that uh, I haven't like really focused in on the Baltimore film on the defensive side of things, but I know against the Chiefs, like you could tell that Inwosu and Fackerel were really not like going after Mahomes. Like that was Bosa's thing, and the opposite edge rusher was really kind of cage rushing to make sure that Mahomes was not getting out of the pocket on that side. So that's right. the other thing that really stood out to me about that specific game. And I'm sure you probably can watch the, the film against the Ravens and see the same thing is that they really 
it seems like they like to have you know one of the opposite edge rushers more do a, a, a cage rush and keep the quarterbacks inside the pocket. Right, and that's what I was sort of getting at, right? Like, yeah. you face all these mobile quarterbacks where the number one priority is make sure they don't escape laterally. And yeah. so you're not going right after the quarterback. You're not taking your typical angles after the quarterback. You're, more, you're rushing upfield and trying to, you know, create that uh, seal on both sides. That's certainly what happened in, in the Chiefs game. And so you, you factor that all together. The, the quarterbacks they've been facing, the inability to stop the run and set themselves up in third and long, and that you just – they just haven't had that many opportunities to go get the quarterback. And I think that's showing up in the production. Yeah. And like, still, despite that, like, I think for Nwosu in particular, like he's staying healthy and he's giving you two or three pressures a game. Like, I mean, that is, you know, the pass rush win rate for him is down a little bit this year because he's playing more, but you know, like he's on pace for like 35 pressures, five or six sacks. Like that's solid. Those are solid numbers for your second rusher. Yeah, I agree. I think he's, I think he's been fine. I, I don't think he's taken the leap that maybe, I think maybe it was expectations, right? I think everyone sure. was sort of saying, oh, this is, he's finally going to get playing time and now he's going to emerge as, you know, an elite pass rusher. But I don't, I, th- I think those expectations were too high. If you had reasonable expectations mm-hmm. for Chen Nuoso, I think he's met them given all of the context that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great discussion. So we'll get you out of here on this one. Obviously the Chargers okay. kind of uh, exceeded expectations in their first six. I think we can agree on that one. Their next six games, I don't know if you've you've got the schedule down, but just so for our listeners, of course, you've got uh, the Patriots this week, Eagles the week after that, then the Vikings, Steelers, Broncos, and Bengals in week 13. So how do the Chargers make sure that they exceed expectations again in their next six weeks? Yeah, I think it's addressing the issues that we talked about, right? I think it's defensively finding a way to improve the run defense like that is the top priority defensively because they, they're a good pass defense like they're a top yeah. 10 pass defense in the league in dvoa they've really done a good job of limiting explosive passes but they've given up them this is through six weeks because i haven't looked at a lot of the numbers after after week seven but through six weeks they had allowed the most explosive runs in the league so it's not that just that they're allowing like one and two yard runs to turn into five yard runs they're right. allowing one and two yard runs to turn into 52 yard touchdowns right like and so across the board like the the line hasn't been good enough. The linebackers haven't tackled well enough and the corners and safeties haven't tackled well enough. It's a, it's, it's a group effort to produce that kind of run defense. And so that has to improve if they're going to continue to win football games. And then offensively, it's what we talked about earlier. The, the main priority has to be better early down efficiency to take some of the stress off of Justin Herbert in these third downs. Um, that means more creative play calling on first and second down, easier completions and, and figuring out a way to run the ball more consistently. Yeah. Completely good. Great stuff today from Mr. Daniel Popper. You can find him on Twitter, of course. I I assume most of our listeners are are following you. But, uh, Pop, what do you have coming up on The Athletic this weekend or in the coming weeks? Yes, I got a, uh, you know, mailbag coming Friday. And then we'll have, uh, you know, full coverage of um, the Patriots game. Uh, I'll be there, obviously, at SoFi. So I'll have takeaways off the game. I've been doing these final thoughts uh, after we talked to Mm -hmm. Staley on Monday where I just kind of word vomit everything I'm thinking about the game just to tie all the knots up. And then uh, we'll get to our film review next week as well after a brief reprieve here for the bye week But yeah, all sorts of content coming your way. Awesome. Can't wait to uh, take part in that. Daniel, thank you for uh, taking the time to join us today. Anytime. Thanks for having me.